The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, been saying it for the last few weeks, Adam. Spring training is on the way. It's it's on the way. It's almost here. It's almost here. Now it's arrived. Um, we are just a few days from the Brewers playing an actual spring training baseball game on February 25th against the Los Angeles Dodgers, I believe. Will you be watching that game? I might be because I have no life before. Before we get into any of the news and notes that have popped up the last few days and talk about our game three of the 2018 NLDS uh, recap, Adam, how you doing? Welcome to welcome to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a pleasure to be here. Thank, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, I'm doing well, Andrew. I'm doing well. I am looking forward to Brewers baseball. We'll... You know, we'll take it day by day, I think will be my approach to spring training. Um, what else will I have going on work-wise? I don't know how friendly. I think I'll have a lot of clashes, but it could be a second screen. I'll be certainly dipping my toe. I'll be keeping up to date on everything, but I think you will have it locked in. I just thought there's something we didn't uh, in our pre-podcast, you know, before we started your podcast conversation. There's something we didn't clear that... Uh, 
I I think we should we should make an announcement because we're going to make this announcement a little later today. But by the time this goes up, we'll be barely beating it out. Um, so I think you know where I'm going with this, Adam. My anticipation is just too much right now. Let me know what your announcement is. Well, my announcement is also your announcement, Andrew. Um, and that is that we're going to be taking it to Brewers games to start the season. Um, not only are we coming to Milwaukee, we are coming to Chicago as well. Um, I I guess I'll throw it to you to begin with because you're going to be there true opening day at Wrigley Field. So I guess you can lay out that part of this first and we'll give we'll give people the details on what's going to what's going to happen because it is going to factor into what will be I guess slightly different coverage for, from us to begin the season through the first two series but also we'll have some other news and stuff going on too. Yeah, I am arriving in Chicago the night before opening day going to Cubs Brewers that next day. Of course, there's the off day Friday. You and I and some GSBN colleagues will be linking up Saturday for Cubs Brewers at Wrigley. Um, And then from then on, we go to Milwaukee through Thursday, April 6th, when uh, we return back to our respective homes, me in the southeastern United States, and you back to Dublin. So looking forward to that. Uh, The Tuesday night, uh, April third, is it? Uh, or uh, 4th? April April fourth, yes. Tuesday, April fourth. Uh, planning to get together at a location to be determined for a dual watch party of Brewers, Mets, and Bucks Wizards. Is it? Uh, Bucks so Wizards. That's right. Bucks are on the road in DC. Find, find a place that will put both games on for us. We can eat, drink, chat, be merry. But it should be a great time. I know you've been looking forward to getting to Milwaukee for several years. I've been looking forward to getting there for the last year, and we're gonna uh, fill our hearts with the Brewers and the Bucks, and we couldn't be more excited. Yeah, and on that Tuesday, uh, April 4th, as Andrew said, we will have dual watch parties. We'll be finding a venue. The whole GSPN crew will be there. We'll be watching Bucks. We'll be watching Brewers. Um, we'd, we'd love if listeners are around, if that sounds like a fun time to you. We'd love to meet people. We'd love to meet people we've been talking to online for me, in my case, many, many years at this point. Um, Andrew, you're you're getting to multiple years on this too. We're coming up to one year, and then once that passes, you know, we're we're into multiple years territory. Um, well, we've had me being a menace on the streets of other other cities supporting Milwaukee teams. So really, this is you know two years of the making if you think about it. It's even longer. You've dipped your toe in winning six and all sorts of book stuff dating back much further than that, but. Yeah, we'd like people to come and hang out. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to uh, soak up some walkie sports. So what we will do is we'll put out a Google form. And I will stress, we only want, if people are available that night, you're going to lock it in. You're going to be available. And you're really interested in coming. Um, You can give us your details in the form. And we'll be in touch when we've got a venue. Just we want to get a, a clear idea of numbers so that we can get somewhere that is the ideal fit that anyone who wants to be there can come and join us and that we can see the games. So keep an eye out for that. We'll uh, we'll have it up on Twitter across, I guess, all of the GSPN crew. You'll find it there. Or if you're a member of the Discord, it will be in there too. We may even throw it up on the link tree. That might be something we do in case you're not in either of those things. You want to wait to find it, gspn.info, and we'll get it posted there too. So 
yeah, that's some fun news. I'm very excited. Um, excited to go and see the Ivy, Andrew. See the troughs, you know, the sights and sounds of the world-famous Wrigley Field. And then, of course, to get to AmFam for a couple of games against the Mets. I mean, the Brewers and the Mets, what perfect synergy. Just two organizations are in exactly the same way. We should be in for a treat. Yeah, I'm going to need a really good start to that Cup series because the Mets are definitely scary. But uh, win-loss or draw, if if they create a new rule uh, wow. going into the season uh, you know, where draws are allowed, um, I'm looking forward to uh, taking these games in in person, meeting people, and meeting you face-to-face for the first time, Ty, Rohan, Jordan, and Numak as well. Um you 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 hesitated got there. The you as well? I, gonna... I I thought uh... you were gonna forget <laughs> Numak, and I thought that's gonna they, be no no that's no, gonna no, be really were... rough. Numak, if you're listening, were... I wouldn't have forgotten you doing the list. They were all the as well because I followed it up uh, to you, and you're on the podcast right now. So my podcast right now, you're on my podcast right, right now. So uh, we changed the title to <laughs> the Andrew Snyder Show, and our downloads <laughs> diminished significantly. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, watching some some baseball and some basketball in person. I don't know if you know this, Adam, but I'm a guy that likes to get out to a sporting event uh, or two. So a, a full week of that and then also uh, having a beverage or two and watching two games at the same time sounds like just my speed. Uh, anything else about our boots on the ground uh, mission or shall we go on to the, the news and notes of the day? No, that, I mean, that that covers it for now. We will be... We'll be men about town. If people have recommendations of things to do, things to see, places to eat, all that kind of stuff, uh, we'll be we'll be very much open to those recommendations over the next six weeks or so. Uh, this is something that <laughs> we've had in the pipeline. And when I say the pipeline, it has been booked for quite a lot of time. And I, I'm not sure why we held on to it like this, but here we are. It's out there now. Yeah, We're very excited to go. a really good time. People. Uh, to get laid off from work so if anyone's got any remote That's job it. opportunities as well uh hit me up uh yeah we've been maybe you can interview logistics. in milwaukee and that can you know kickstart the process of you being a season ticket holder and i you know that's that's the dream um right there is what i would prefer from this whole thing is i just never leave but uh i think in terms of food uh vanguard is one that's on our list we mm-hmm. we saw the uh the menu of the the sausages and they they look delicious and uh if anyone has any other recommendations or if you want to tell us what to order from there uh also welcome get at us but, on twitter uh, let us on the discord but yeah we should talk some brewers for people maybe someone has stumbled in for the first time they're like you know we don't care this is truly momentous for andrew and i but there'll be people who do not care andrew so for those people i don't take it personally i respect you let's talk with the Milwaukee brewers yeah, uh, I completely respect uh, anyone not caring about me. Um, the Brewers have made a few moves since the last time we spoke. Uh, the first one is there is a left-hander for the bullpen caveat for the second half of the season. Uh, the Brewers have signed left-handed reliever Justin Wilson to a one-year contract with a club option for 2024. Uh, Wilson uh, is rehabbing from t- the Tommy John surgery he had last June. Matt Arnold said that July is a realistic timeline for his return. When he has been healthy, uh, Wilson has been a reliable left-handed reliever. Uh, 11 years, 
in the big leagues, a 3-4-1 ERA in 467 career innings, uh, 3.45 FIP, um, and a guy that, uh, you know, can, can be a reliable outgetter. They say he's played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the New York Yankees, the Detroit Tigers, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Mets, and then most recently the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, last year, only through three and two-thirds innings uh, due to the aforementioned injury, but a 2.45 ERA in those innings, 2.81 ERA in 2021, also in Cincinnati in 16 innings. And uh, in 2021 with the Yankees, less successful in 18 innings, 7.50 ERA. But uh, for the most part, a solid reliever throughout his career. Um, this will be his 12th season, as I said. Um, the only thing I don't like about this is his availability not being available until July. Obviously, we got into a situation, uh, which is based on me listening to the last few podcasts. You can play a drinking game uh, based on how often I say situation. So there's the first one for today. It is early in the morning right now. So take a sip of your coffee if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, we got into that uh, circumstance last season with Trevor Rosenthal, where you sign a guy who... It's not available right away, and you're anticipating him returning, and he didn't return. Uh, Tommy John for baseball players in recent history has become something that once successfully rehabbed and you're ramped up, you're generally ready to go with not quite the complications that might come from a shoulder injury or things of that nature. But uh, relying on someone coming back. Does that apply at 35 I mean, about 3.36 by the time he comes back, though. That would be... For people not named Jason Verlander, or Justin Verlander, I haven't done that research, but I I mean, I think pretty generally, I, I wouldn't think his career's done at this point, and them signing him mid-rehab, I, I think there's a pretty good indication that he's probably, like, trending well. It would surprise me if he's just done, but uh, adding an unknown to the mix is not harmful in any way. I would have preferred a Matt Moore or an Andrew Chafin signing. Those two are off the market by the time this deal is done, obviously. I think Zach Britton's still available, but that falls into the same bucket as Wilson, where you have him coming off of injuries over the last several years, in Britton's case, where you don't know what you're going to get. Um, So... For the second half of the season, would be a nice addition to the bullpen, but the uncertainty leading up to that is where the issue lies. But it's not necessarily an issue, it's more of a just, yeah, fine. I I think it all, aside from the obvious of it's all going to depend how well he's recovered from injury, I think this move is perfectly like worthwhile, flyer worth taking, but it's going to depend on how the bullpen looks like in his absence, because if the bullpen looks good and the Brewers are a really good team, and then in July, Justin Wilson comes in and looks good and can add to that, that's a big deal. That's very welcome, and that's kind of a an inbuilt addition without having to do anything dangerous in the trade market. Um, so in that regard, I guess that would be the upside of, okay, we're looking at a July timeline. If the rest of the moves in the bullpen pan out and we get a much more kind of consistent run from the relief pitchers than we got last year well then getting Justin Wilson healthy and as a positive contributor in July would be colossal and 
would make the Brewers all the more formidable as a team. The Brewers are short on lefties, though. Um, particularly, I guess, like what have we got in terms of relievers? Hobie Milner, Hobie Milner Ethan Small, Alex Claudio maybe. is a potential, and Thomas Pannone. Like that is tin on the ground, and I think there is going to be a gap to be bridged in the meantime. It is really interesting if they like uh, you and I have talked about this. It feels like the time has come for Ethan Small to be viewed as a bullpen guy, and I think that's better for his pitch mixes and everything. And the starting experiment hasn't quite worked, and you've further fortified your starting options for this year, so the pad isn't even as clear there, and he's not getting any younger. Like, do we see him integrated relatively early in the season? Do they actually try to do something like that? I think it it would make sense from a roster point of view, particularly with, I mean, Ashby post-extension likely would have been a starter, but with his own injury too, that's another person who could have given you some innings from the bullpen that another lefty you're down. So it's something that I think was very much out there as a need the Brewers were still looking to address. It is interesting that they've addressed it with someone who's out to July, but if everything works out, I think that's something that we'll be talking up. You know, if the bullpen start the season, great. We're going to be doing a lot of podcasts where we're like, look how good they are. And there's still Justin Wilson to come back. I've been there. I've done this with like NBA pods at the books before. If you get something and it's working and then there's the injured guy, well, that becomes a real bonus. The flip side is, if the bullpen isn't working and you're like, God, we really need a steady lefty in the bullpen, uh, signing a guy who's going to be out till July might come back to bite you. So I think in terms of the profile player, it makes sense, but the circumstances leave a lot of wait and see and a lot of stuff that's honestly not going to be dependent on Justin Wilson. That's going to factor into how we appraise him and the the decision to sign him. So Wilson at a certain point, he's been added to the 40-man, obviously, and something we'll get to later is uh, Jason Alexander was added to the 60-day IL to make room for him. At a certain point soon, uh, I think Wilson will get added to the 60-day IL as well, and that leaves room on the the 40-man for another player, another reliever, presumably, to your point earlier. Um, some of the lefties that I mentioned are, are not uh, on the 40-man, so the lefties on the 40 man not counting Wilson right now are Aaron Ashby uh Hobie Milner Eric Lauer we just throw him in because he's you know sure. a lefty but he's a starter and then uh Ethan Small I think covers all the ground there so yeah not a lot to work with I think Small to the bullpen and giving him a shot to win a job in this bullpen out of spring training is a no-brainer move for him at this point in his career I agree with you completely um we also so, saw how I'm his stuff could pure... play in one or two innings, you know, and his problems yeah, were hard. Some... By the time he got to three and four innings, it would fall apart. But uh, that was something we commented at the time. You can see his stuff plays in the major league. It's just got to find the right role for him. And I think that that might be even he could be someone that you go multiple innings, someone that you kind of consistently mark for, OK, we're going to go to Eaton Small for two innings. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, the the walk and the command concerns with him getting through a lineup for five innings or six innings is mm-hmm. just something that was a concern going into last season and is proving to be an issue at the major level. But if you say 
go empty the tank for one inning. Like you said, the stuff plays up, and then you, you shorten the time frame for where the command issues can pop up. And if he can just get through his inning clean, builds confidence in that role, and he carves out a major league career for himself because obviously he's a talented pitcher. He's got the the fastball that is I think in the low the low nineties, but due to the spin rates or there was a there was another term that he used for it that I can't remember. Um but it plays faster. It looks different to the hitter's eye and can create some deception there, obviously with his delivery as well. Could be a really effective reliever for a long time. So I'll be curious to hear, you know, later we'll talk about some of the the uh, spring training stories that trickle out. You got to find something to talk about over the course of a month and a half. So uh, the beat writers are, are looking for anything and everything to talk about. What Ethan Small's role is looking like as spring training develops is something that maybe <laughs> we're not uh, focused on uh as one of the biggest storylines of the spring, but something I'll be curious to see as pitchers are throwing their one inning stints, their two inning stints, their three inning stints as they're ramping up. Is he ramping up to start in Nashville or is he staying to that one inning role and trying to carve out uh, a role as a reliever? Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. As we mentioned, um, bad news for one player on, that was on the Brewers 40 man roster, which was Jason Alexander, who, Obviously, uh, spent some time in uh, starting and relieving duty for the Brewers last year during an injury crunch to the rotation. Uh, Jason Alexander to the the sixty day D or IL, excuse me, used to be called the disabled list, now called the injured list. Apologies, apologies. Um, shoulder tendonitis is what they're calling it with Jason Alexander, I believe. So. Uh, expected to be shut down until the second half or of May or so, says Adam McCalvey. Uh, Alexander probably did not factor into the Brewers' plans as much this year with the added pitching depth to the back of the rotation, um, but probably was going to be in Nashville and be ready for another case where the Brewers needed someone in an emergency, but uh, looks like his season is off to a tough start there. So... Jason Alexander not factoring into the early season. I that's kind of I know. Any thoughts? Gonna, we I'm not. We, I, we I always sure had do. the memes. I'm not gonna say too much here for fear of what might happen. I think that is a little unfortunate. I think he's just he's steady in a way where he's never going to be good. Good. I don't want to. You just take a deep breath. Um, but I think healthy would not have been the worst tool to have. Just in a bullpen mix and you evaluate how the situation goes from here. I mean, largely because I just think there's so much uncertainty. I, I haven't reached a point yet where I fully process through and come to a conclusion of what I think of this bullpen. Um, it's certainly being put together in a way that is, I don't know, feels a little bit, okay, we've got all of these kind of jigsaw pieces on the floor and let's hope they fit together. Let's hope it's all going to work. And even something like we saw the ups and downs of Matt Bush last year, and I feel like we need to see a lot more of the ups of him this year based on how the the bullpen is constructed. So with a lot of that, I think there is plenty of uncertainty there. And in some of the ways where they may have been able to be like, okay, this is what's steady. And part of it's what you hope is what's steady. Like, for example, the Brewers really need Peter Strzelecki to come back and be as good as he was for a lot of last year. 
stuff like that is really important. And I think some familiar faces there. And then it's like, okay, well, what else is hitting? What what's working from guys we've promoted from within, from some of the flyers they've they've taken um this off season. There's just still a lot of mystery there. So that's something that I don't know, maybe I need to just set aside some time for myself and sit down and think through and weigh up the options. But my current read on the bullpen is still I'm unconvinced and it's going to be a work in progress and it could just work and work really well. Um, But I do feel like Craig will be looking for some some familiar faces and some things he can lean on early in the season as they work out the shape of things. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next up on the news docket, Adam, the Brewers have added a bat to the mix that I think has come as a bit of a surprise to me anyway. Uh, They've signed... Luke Voigt to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Luke Voigt spent last season with both the San Diego Padres and the Washington Nationals. Also has spent time with the New York Yankees in his career. Um, He's 32 years old for his career across uh, parts of six seasons. 254 batting average, 342 OBP, 467 slugging percentage. Um... 95 career home runs, an OPS plus of 124 for his career. Uh, Plays primarily first base. He's also spent time in right field very briefly uh, in his career. I think it was one inning for the Yankees in 2018. So positional versatility, not a strong suit, also could factor in uh, at DH during an injury crunch. But an interesting guy. He's done some good things in his career last season. Um, you know, started off the season okay with the San Diego Padres, uh, a 113 OPS plus across 298 at bats. Struggled a little bit more uh, after going to the Nationals in a midseason trade. 224 plate appearances uh, compiled a, a 95 OPS plus for a team that was going nowhere. Famously, uh, Eric Hosmer. Uh, exercise his no trade clause uh, when the uh, Padres were trying to deal him to Washington. And then after that, Luke Voigt got thrown in the deal as a replacement. So really tough uh, 
last season for Voight on a team that had World Series aspirations, and then he is just uh, sent off to play out the string in Washington. Uh, a right-handed hitter, not necessarily a left-handed masher. His uh, career WRC plus against lefties is 110. His career WRC plus against righties is 129. So above average against uh, both right-handed pitchers um, and left-handed pitchers. His walk rate against lefties, 10.8%. K rate against lefties, 28.4%. Against righties, a 10% walk rate and a 28.5% K rate. So a guy that pretty much hits righties and lefties close to the same ability. So it's not necessarily a perfect platoon fit for Rowdy or Winker or someone like that on the roster, but a guy that can hit a little bit and having him at Nashville DHing and being ready for a time where injuries are impacting this roster isn't a bad thing. So I think a really good flyer to take, like we said about Wilson, except Boyd will be ready from Day one, I assume he'll uh, arrive in Arizona soon if he's not already there. Is he just too high profile to not fully crack through and make this team in a meaningful way? That was that was my instinct when I saw the news, and yet it feels like someone's got to go somewhere to kind of to clear up the picture. And I know we've talked about this multiple times in terms of what the outlook looks like at first base. I think he makes sense as a flyer. And again, it's like that, that could work. Like the upside, if, if this was a good season for him, the upside could be really, really high. Um, But it kind of feels like a move you make. If you're going to make some tough decisions, I I don't really see the point in it. If you're just going to bring him in and I'd be like, yeah, no, I, I don't even, is he going to be international with no one else be on? I'm kind of surprised well, that it's, it's come to this, but go on, continue. Here's you what know the you, general direction I'm going with this. Here's what you said to me during our prep meeting for my podcast. Uh, just move on from Keston. And so here's here's my Brian Windhorse brain kicking into action. Here's what you do. You trade Keston for a reliever if you can get one. You've got, you're going to have the open 40-man spot uh, when Justin Wilson goes to the I.L., Trading Kesson opens another 40-man spot. So you bring in a reliever whose 40-man quality, we'll call. And then, you know, you sign Luke Voigt to a major league deal or whoever that works. You get you give him the call-up, and uh, he's a nice bench bat and someone that can spell Rowdy at first, can spell Jesse Winker at DH, and I think provide a positive impact with the bat. Uh, uh, people have talked about um, how... Uh, Players or like Jesse Winker in particular will benefit from playing in AmFam and not uh, T-Mobile Park, I guess it's now called in Seattle. Petco, I think, is another pitcher-friendly park where Voight's power maybe the last few years wasn't what it was, obviously, in Yankee Stadium. Maybe AmFam is another good park for uh, for a power hitter like Voight, and he could come in and, uh, you know, sock a few homers and... Uh, provide a meaningful impact in spot starter duty. So if they could connect those dots, I think it'd be a pretty good option for them. Or he's in Nashville break in case of emergency. I think either way, it's it doesn't have the positional versatility, obviously. He's not going to provide you much defensive value, but for the role he's playing in the organization, doesn't have to. 
yeah, I mean, and what you've just described there of not going to provide defensive value, doesn't have much positional versatility. I feel like that has not stopped some other guys. I mean, the, the thing with Kesson too, and part of what we saw them do late last year, and I guess when you look at their outfield, you could make a case in some aspects that Kesson out in left field occasionally could be something they look to too. But Brian Anderson and his versatility as someone that we could see plugging into the outfield is giving more options there, giving more infield options. And there's just, there's a definite squeeze there. And I'm honestly a little surprised we've got to this point um, that we're essentially at spring training and we're still talking about that, but it just, it feels like something's got to shake out. Maybe not. Maybe they're still fully in and they think this is the year. Um, I mean, maybe. It's it is something that I think we were talking about at the end of last season as almost a foregone conclusion that he was just the perfect change of scenery candidate, and there had to be another change of scenery candidate somewhere else in the big leagues where they could do uh a lower level of the kind of swap that the Marlins seem to always do, where it's like, hey, we have this major league player who's not quite reached their full potential, but we once believed in. Hey, you've got this other player that meets that description. Uh, let's swap them and see what happens. But that just has not happened. And maybe it won't happen. Maybe, maybe uh, we're still talking about uh, is confounding strikeouts yet mammoth home runs in May. And we just, we don't, we don't know what to do with ourselves. I think that was the trend uh, uh, last year. I think you, you either called him the, the most frustrating or the most baffling player or like watching any sports just because the highs are so high and the lows are so low in terms of just like quality of a plate appearance. Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to watching a lot of Brewers baseball again. That's not something I'm, it's not top of my, my list on things I'm excited for is to see Kessin here at bats, even though some of those could be the most spectacular of any that we we'd see in a Brewers season. It's just, Maybe a little bit less that it's it's funny because at the same time, like Void is not going to give us anything different in terms of profile. But to your point, sometimes it is just different guy in a different scenario and it works out better. And that is possibly part of why the Brewers should have been maybe proactive. Maybe they were and no one wanted Kesson. I don't know. Um, we'll see how that one unfolds. Maybe he's just going to show up and he's going to prove us wrong. And by the time the season comes around, we're like, oh, this this could be the year. We're on the Brewers page. I mean, I would love to be proven wrong. I always say, Adam, my standard line is I'd rather be happy than wrong. Uh, the one happy than the right one thing that. Mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be happy than right. Sorry. Um, uh, who knows what the happy, I think there. everyone rather, would rather be happy than wrong. So happy than right is, is the one. The one thing that. Voight, I guess, has on Keston is that he didn't have his his career strikeout rate isn't thirty six percent, which is mm-hmm. quite quite a lot of swing and miss. Last year, forty one point seven percent for Keston, and we forget he had one hundred and fifteen R uh, WRC plus and fourteen homers and just two hundred sixty six plate appearances because of those wild swings that we talked about. But yeah, that's. Uh, we're monitoring the situation, as they say, Adam. We're monitoring the situation. I do want to point out one thing. 
uh, Robert Murray uh, went tweeting and reporting about this Luke Voigt signing. Jay Jaffe just tweeted, new Barrel Man logo just dropped. And Gary Phillips, at Gary H. Phillips on Twitter, has just tweeted a side-by-side of Barrel Man and Luke Voigt. Um, and it's just the perfect uh, comparison. I'm a big fan of Luke Voigt being the Brewers' live-action Barrel Man and, and mashing home runs this season. So if that's a possibility, if that's an option, I'm on board for it. Uh, Adam, that. another relevant uh, minor league deal coming through the wire here, Adam, with a guy who is going to be invited to spring training as well and someone that could potentially make the big league roster out of camp or go to Nashville and be called upon later in the season. Uh, the Brewers have just signed Tyler Naquin, who spent most of his career with Cleveland um, before g- moving to Cincinnati in 2021 and spending 2022 with the Cincinnati Reds and then the New York Mets. A tough 2022 for Naquin, uh, 229 average, 282 OBP, uh, 423 slug for a 705 OPS, but first career 264 hitter, 318 OBP, 448 slugging for an OPS of 765, um, an OPS plus of 100, a WRC plus of 101. So basically, on the totality of his career, around a league average hitter, finished third in the rookie of the year, voting in the American League during his rookie year of 2016. Uh, plays all across the outfield. I think primarily right field in recent years, a little bit of center field and a little bit of left field, but primarily right field lately. Um, Along with the Voigt move is, I think this is an interesting flyer to take. I mean, could potentially, I mean, could you see him in a platoon in right field to start the season? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. He gives you some insurance. If the young outfielders aren't ready to go at the beginning of the season, um, yeah, uh, reacting to it spur of the moment. I'm a I'm a fan of this move. I was a fan of the Voight signing, and I'm a fan of this as well. Yeah, I quite like this. I mean, he's he's pretty good. He's solid. He's the kind of good depth where if that is your true depth, um, you're well positioned to be a good team. And it's maybe a little bit of something that they were lacking in the outfield last year. Um, I I honestly think the way they not by design, ended up having to turn to Garrett Mitchell and S.A. Ruiz late in the season and be like, okay, well, we need one of you. Like, that, they weren't completely out of it yet. That wasn't it. Okay, the season's over. Let's play the kids. Um, That was also by design the way the roster had fallen, the way things had progressed. And I guess from the planning going into the year, how Lorenzo Cain's not just season, but career had come to an end. Um, it was an area where they didn't really have a whole lot of options, a whole bunch of clarity. I like this. I mean, I think if you're looking at someone like Blake Perkins in the 40-man, that's one I don't quite get. I wonder, do they see something different? But that would seem like a spot that is certainly there up for grabs. I mean, the only questions then come from, okay, well, if this is another real outfielder added to the mix who we quite like and we're happy about what does that mean for Garrett Mitchell's opportunity or what does that mean for the path for someone like Sal Freelich to come true um, as the season progresses I don't know they're they're slightly better problems to have though than 
I think part of why we've been so keen to be like, now is the time, get Freelich involved, get Mitchell involved, is that the alternative options were not good. Um, I'm not going to say that they're all of a sudden great. I mean, I'd still have a lot of questions over, for example, what Tyrone Taylor is and how much he should be factoring into what the Brewers are doing and they're planning for next season and beyond. we got to see what Jesse Winker looks like post his injury. Um, we've got to see what version of Yelly we get. But with a lot of those question marks, whether it's with development guys or players already in the roster, I think you could certainly do a lot worse than have a, a Tyler Naquin in the mix. He's a good, solid player. And if you get a good season, he could be someone who is a real contributor to use in a meaningful way. He has a track record where he has done that in the past. So absolutely no problems with these kind of flyers. Is this is this late or is this just normal? Is this purely guys are starting, spring training is about to start, and you know it's a game of musical chairs, and there's some people who haven't found a place to sit down yet, and all of a sudden these deals click into place, or is this the Brewers maybe getting a little bit more active a little bit later than a lot of teams would? Um, it feels late, but I mean there are always guys that get to this point, and you know we've been very critical of the Brewers in recent weeks because of uh, the Corbin Burns arbitration situation. But I think both of these moves are really good business uh, for guys that could have ended up on major league deals earlier in the Mm -hmm. off season. Like it's, it's kind of surprising for me. Like, so I went to baseball savant after seeing some stuff on Twitter. Luke Voigt was in the 94th percentile in barrel rate last year. Like, so He's hitting the piss out of the ball still at this point in his career. Naquin, I I have not gone that deep on because you know it just it just broke a few minutes ago. But I mean, he's a guy that if he bounces back to his career norms, is a league average to slightly above hitter, and that's a very valuable thing for a team that is relying, in theory, at some point in the season on so many unproven players in their outfield and guys. Like to your point with Jesse Winker, what if he's not back to normal physically? Then you plug in Luke Voigt at DH and and you take his barrel rate and see if that turns into uh production. I think uh I mean he he's gonna hit homers in AmFam and and Naquin can provide you uh a solid league league average bat in a corner and maybe play a little bit of center field if 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 you need it. So uh yeah, kind of it's it's uh it's discount shopping, which is you know y- you'd rather be a fan of a team that's uh, going to the, the luxury mall like the Mets or the Padres, but good business uh, by the Brewers late in the, we'll call it the off season, but really just the beginning of spring training. So we'll, it'll be something that I'm intrigued to watch in spring training. I think the, my primary uh, things to watch in spring training, we're going to be bullpen battles. How healthy is <laughs> Freddie Peralta? How does Jesse Winker look? Uh, William, William Contreras and the the guys that will be rookies that factor in this year. Now we've got a, two, a look at two guys trying to earn jobs, and it's something else to keep an eye on. So for someone that co-hosts a baseball podcast, Adam, uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to the, the content. Uh, I, I thought I was just a guys. guest. <laughs> you're You're the main man, Adam. You're the main man. Adam, I don't think there are any more news and notes to talk about. 
but we one thing I did mention was just uh, spring training stories, news and notes, things that pop up, um, and picking out a favorite story from the bunch. And I said it on our playback last night, but the one that was like, Andrew's a shark and Adam McAlvey just poured blood in the water was uh, the article about William Contreras and his uh, enthusiasm with regards to improving his defense. Because when the Brewers edged their way into the Braves athletics trade and acquired William Contreras, the narrative has been he's a bat first catcher, obviously spent a lot of time at DH last year, started the all-star game at DH for the National League, but his defense uh, left a little bit to be desired. But the Brewers are catcher whispers to a degree and have shown an ability to take offensive first catchers and turn them into positive defensive contributors. So when that story popped up on MLB.com, I was thrilled to read it. A few quotes. Uh, first, uh, Walker McKibben uh, called here the Brewers catcher whisper. Uh, he reached out to Milwaukee's biggest splash of the offseason, as McAlvey calls him, uh, to get ahead of things. And McKibben is quoted as saying, he was super eager to get video, video and do his own homework on all our pitchers. I'm excited for his future, man. 25 is young for a catcher, especially in the big leagues, especially with a year under your belt and an all-star game under his belt. The whole thing is in front of him, really. So, you know, that I just couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, McAlvey cites work with Jonathan Lucroy in the past, uh, which was uh, credited to uh, current assistant director of player development, Charlie Green. Uh, Omar Narvaez coming in as someone that was thought of as a hitter first and leaving as someone that was now thought of as a defender first. Um, you got Victor. We don't Tarantino. want that to happen. Just to be clear, we don't want to go full circle like that. Correct. Not going to happen. I'm confident. Uh, you've got uh, Victor Caratini as the returning catcher, who, as we mentioned, uh, started out last season when he was acquired very close to opening day uh, as the backup catcher, and it turned into more of a timeshare. Now he probably will be expected to be the full-time backup catcher. Uh, Caratini says about Contreras, he's going to be all right. Uh, Craig Council says we're in a very good situation with a duo. We're getting a young new catcher and for him to have somebody that he knows that he trusts that is embracing what his job is, who knows our staff knows the league. It makes this a lot easier, I think for everybody. So Victor is going to be important on the field and off the field. Um, that is because uh, Victor Caratini has a pre-existing relationship with William uh, because Caratini played with Wilson Contreras in the Cubs organization. So, they know each other. They're comfortable with each other. Caratini's taking on this sort of mentor role in terms of getting him up to speed with uh, things in Milwaukee. Couldn't be more excited about things there, Adam. Just uh, catcher was such a, a tough position to watch last year, especially with Omar Narvaez's regression at the plate. We've come in expecting Contreras to, to hit, and obviously the worry was with the defense, but I think uh, catchers are such weird developmentally as well. It's just like you much like a pitcher, you've got two jobs, except in this job, you're expected to at least be somewhat productive with the bat and to be elite with the bat and elite with the glove as a catcher, just because of how work intensive those two roles are it is a tall order. And to see a guy come in. And I think there's also a lot of 
concern amongst Brewers Twitter about Williams uh, thoughts on coming to Milwaukee just because he's he would been in the Atlanta system his whole career. He had the the heartbroken emoji tweets uh, after the fact. Now it seems like he's fully bought and he's embracing his role uh, as both a Milwaukee Brewer and a starting catcher. He's so, just like you. It, yeah, positive is positive vibes. He's come over from Atlanta. It was a tough. It was a tough thing to be put on your plate, and now he's just ready to go. So William Contreras and me handshake emoji. Yeah, and I, I do think for that part of it, he was a part of that organization for so long. That's where he kind of saw himself, I guess. All oh, that's quite normal, and this is a taste of the cold hard realities of baseball. And those kind of feelings were gonna be understandable and i think once he settles in a new place like okay new opportunity i'm still who i am this is the next stage of my career i'm ready let's embrace it and i'm sure part of that too not that his brother is gonna chip in and be like oh yeah let me tell you all the great things i've heard about the brewers from where i've been playing um but there's, i don't think there's enough, have nice things to enough, say about the fan base <laughs> there's enough knowledge there as you mentioned someone like caratini the addition of Contreras is exciting in some ways um, for what the Brewers can get out of Caratini because Caratini did a lot of good last year that I feel we ended up probably more down on him than we needed to be in part because he was picked up last minute to be the backup to Omar Narvaez and Omar Narvaez completely just floundered and disappeared. And that meant that Caratini had to be something that he wasn't supposed to be. If Contreras comes in and he's good and Caratini is you know, stepping up and being solid with the glove giving you some good moments with the bat i think we'll be quite happy with that as the the share of options i catcher william Contreras could be the rising tide that lifts the victor caratini boat into a a role where he's not being asked too much of like he was last year probably i think is the best way to say that um actually not the best way to say it a weird way to say it because i need to contractually uh feel the obligation that i have as a co-host with you on a podcast to say uh one weird thing or pun per episode it's the jordan tresky uh andrew snyder agreement um that was made uh when we signed our gsbn deals um listen this is your podcast so whatever whatever you see fit. <laughs> there was there was oh, another Lord. news news and notes thing that uh we skipped past so maybe that was wishful thinking on your part but just to to close the book for now on Corbin Burns and arbitration. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Um, so after we recorded um, our our pod, breaking down our take on the situation and our our feelings about the situation, maybe a good way of putting it, and um, there was some more details to emerge um, later that day and over the the days that followed. Um. So Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel spoke to Corbin. And Corbin really opened up and gave some details that went a little bit beyond what we were working with. Um, essentially, I guess emphasizing that it didn't have to be like this element, the fact that at a time, the gap was not very large between the two parties. Not that it was large when this all concluded, um, but that they were really quite close. And then from Corbin's perspective, the brewers just essentially pulled away. Um, I'll read a pretty extensive quote here. A day or two before the hearing, they came at us with a two-year deal that was pretty poor. 
from the way we viewed it, it was better off to really take the number that the club had filed at than take a two-year deal that they had offered. And frankly, it almost kind of made the situation worse with what was presented. From the deadline day, we knew that we knew that we were going to a hearing. Just the lack of them trying to get a deal done, I think, is kind of what got us to that point. Leading up to the deadline, we were much closer than what was filed at. The number was a lot smaller than the $740,000. They actually did some things that my agency said they've never seen before as far as leading up to the deadline. As you negotiate, you're getting closer and closer. And then I think it's about midnight Eastern time on that deadline day. They basically lowered their offer from what they were. It made the gap even bigger than what was filed. At some point, we were much closer to getting a deal done, but there was really just no willingness to come up on their part. Not great. Makes it worse, um, I think, than even what we were discussing from from where we were a few days ago. Uh, Todd Rosiak then reported, I think it was either the day after that quote or two days after that quote, that uh, Matt Arnold and Corbin Burns had met to clear the air and turn their focus to the upcoming season. I don't know. I'm not going to kind of dive into anyone's reporting in too deep a way, but that sounds like the spin the Brewers would want to put on this. And no one doubts Corbin Burns' professionalism when it comes to going out there and putting in his best performances and doing what he needs to do, that his future, wherever it may be, will be the best and brightest and eventually um, the most well-rewarded it can possibly be. But this doesn't this is just not something that one quick meeting is going to gloss over and everyone's cleared the air there's going to be bad feeling and i think particularly with some of the stuff corbin is talking about and talking quite publicly um saying things like his agency said they the brewers are doing things they've never seen before that's not the kind of feeling that just goes away that isn't just oh we both went into this in good faith and you know Best of luck next time, buddy. We we got the better of you here between the reason for not making the playoffs and what seems like some of the more underhand tactics, at least as Corbin perceives them. This is this is not good. It's not going to resolve itself quickly. We talked about that last time out, but I, I do think the additional information is worth just adding to. Yeah, it has not changed my thoughts on the situation one way or other, both the uh, Corbin Burns filling in more details that, again, upset you as a fan, nor Todd Rosiak saying that they've met and cleared the air. I think things are exactly as we expected them to be before the arbitration process, but with a more of a sour taste for all parties involved. I think going into the season, the thought was, Burns goes all out. The team goes all out to win the World Series. Whatever happens, he's traded in the offseason because they're not going to sign him to an extension. Um, but at that point, before arbitration, there was the glimmer of hope that, you know, maybe things change. Maybe something happens and they work something out. Whereas now it's Corbin Burns is going to go all out in 2023, try to win a World Series, uh, probably be traded in the offseason. But there's a sour taste in everyone's mouth. That's pretty much my feeling uh, with how arbitration has has changed things, changed the optics, and it's not really changed what the end game is going to be, but it's just added an unnecessary layer of distastefulness to the start of this season and the end of Corbin Burns' tenure of as a brewer whenever that happens. 
Yeah, and no, I think Adam McAlvey nailed it when he tweeted out the, the clip, which opened this all up to, okay, Corbyn's really going to be open about it, which is, like, whatever the worst fears are about arbitration, this is them being realized. This is as bad as it can get, and not the kind of player you want that to happen. Uh, from what I've seen, I know you sent me a Fangraphs piece that I read yesterday, and things I've seen on Twitter. I think that was Jay Jaffe as well, I think. I think you're right. The wider view from this around baseball is like very unsurprising. I don't really see how there'd be another reaction to to laugh at the Brewers and to be just completely befuddled by what are they doing here um, in this particular instance. The line that I've seen quoted in local media that I saw on that piece that I've seen on Twitter is that essentially the gap between the sides that they went to arbitration over is just a little over, was it 30,000, 40,000 over? what uh, a minimum salary would be for a member of a 40-man roster, which, like, when you put it that way, do you want to push forward with Corbin Burns as happy as he can be, or are you going to save a minimum salary's worth towards your payroll? That seems like a no-brainer, and I think there's a reason why both inside Milwaukee and outside Milwaukee, it's increasingly being framed with that particular example of what the gap between the two sides was here. But yeah, there's not a lot to add beyond what we talked about last time. It's not good. It's just, it's not good. Um, It's a losing system, and the Brewers playing into it are going to come out of it as bigger losers than most. You know what, guys? Uh, Adam and I are, are not moving off of this position, but if you want to split up the $740,000 and send half to Adam and half to me, you know, we might change our tune. But until that moment, we're not going to do it. We're we're both in dire financial situations. Is that a direct it's, direct know? appeal to Mark? Is that? Yeah, uh, you're going to interview in with case. Mark in Milwaukee. Is that it? In you're that gonna... in that case, I have no hope. Uh, if if that's if that's where my hopes lie. Uh, if anyone in Brewers PR is listening, I highly doubt it. But Andrew is just deep dying to be the spokesman of the team. Uh yeah, would love it. Don't listen to. <laughs> the last 80 episodes we'll have, we might have done. to deli- delete our entire archive but yeah those that was a deep fake i don't know what you're talking about that wasn't me that was that was an ai generated andrew schneider voice um should we talk about happier corbin burns times adam i guess so uh if you're one of our loyal listeners who has uh skipped ahead of this section you can now tune back in uh we kept our uh 2018 Brewers playoff playback streak rolling uh, last night, Adam, and we watched game three of the National League Division Series between the Milwaukee Brewers and the Colorado Rockies. Uh, This one taking place in Coors Field. Uh, Game three, so if the Brewers win this one, they head to the National League Championship Series. Herman Marquez on the mound for the Colorado Rockies. Wade Miley getting the start for, for the Brewers. And the Brewers would get things started off quickly and, and get a, a run on the board early in the first inning with one out after Lorenzo Kane ground out, Christian Yelich walked, Ryan Braun singled to right, putting runners on the corners with one out. Travis Shaw grounds out into a fielder's choice, a nice play by DJ LeMahieu to get the force out at second base, but they could not turn the double play. Christian Yelich scores. Uh, Jesus Aguilar grounds out to end the inning, but the Brewers are staked to an early lead. A guy we hope to see a lot of uh, this season and someone that we hope stays healthy and becomes a reliable contributor in the rotation, much like he was in this game, is Wade Miley. And Wade Miley turned in 
a really nice performance. Four and two-thirds innings pitch, just three hits, no runs, a walk, two strikeouts. Just a very uh, tidy performance and and one that uh, never seemed out of control, I think was the way you put it last night, Adam. Uh, in the fourth inning, Jesus Aguilar crushed a home run to left field to make it 2-0 uh, after four innings. Adam, any initial thoughts on the early part of this game, or especially Wade Miley, who's a guy that uh, you knew about, uh, and now you've finally seen pitch once and will hopefully see pitch many times in the future? Yeah, I think the comp I made on playback is it reminded me of what a good Adrian Hauser start looks like, and we'll take that. I mean, the problem with Adrian Hauser is let's say last season in particular, aside from injuries, is that maybe that was a little more inconsistent. Um, But this is a big game, high leverage situation, and Wade Miley was not phased. Brought his, brought his A game or his B-plus game and was perfectly in control and allowed the Brewers to just get to work and go about winning the game and winning the series. Um, So absolutely, my impression of the Wade Miley performance was very positive. Um, we had already, I think, dug in and agreed on it being a a really nice addition, something of a no-brainer for the Brewers. I think what's happened since has only amplified that. And yeah, seeing him perform in big games, the Brewers in the past doesn't do anything to dampen my excitement about what he might look like and how he might be able to help the team this year. After Miley recorded two outs in the bottom of the fifth inning for Colorado. Um, he was removed for Corey Knable. Knable comes in, strikes out Charlie Blackman, and then that took us to an unfortunate sixth inning for Colorado, but a beneficial sixth inning for the Brewers. Uh, Scott Oberg on the mound for Colorado, strikes out Jesus Aguilar, uh, Mike Mustakis singles, Eric Kratz doubles to right to put runners on second and third. Just a tremendous Eric Kratz game. We'll get to this. I think we knew this mid-playback for each of the games that he featured in, but had Adam and I been hosting this podcast in 2018, we would have been big Eric Kratz guys, I think. That goes without saying. With runners on second and third. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh the this ESPN box score is just absolutely terrible. Um, but with runners on second and third, Mike Mustakis would score on a balk by Scott Oberg. He kind of tried to had his foot on the rubber, tried to like pop the ball from his glove to his hand and ended up <laughs> dropping it. Uh, just a disastrous way to allow a run in a playoff game in any game. Um, so that in a win or go Mustakis, home or win or stay home in this case playoff game. I, yeah, this exactly. is just as falling flat in your face and humiliating yourself and letting a lot of people down in front of all of your fans goes. This is quite something. And then uh, Kratz scores on in the uh, following played appearance on a wild pitch by Scott Oberg. I thought it should have been a pass ball. I thought that was harsh on Tony Walters because Eric Kratz would never have allowed that to get through his legs. So uh, just like a disastrous inning from Scott Oberg where he allows one hit, I think, in the inning and neither of the runs, oh no, two hits, excuse me. He allows two hits in the inning, but neither of the runs was scored on a hit. Ball and a wild pitch, just brutal. Um, from then on, uh, Soria comes in. For the Brewers and records a scoreless inning, walk, two strikeouts, 
Uh, and then Corbin Burns comes on. I mean, the story of this postseason that we've been told this entire time is of the bullpen. And Burns comes in and does his job, would end up being uh, given the win. Obviously, Miley did not go five innings, so did not qualify there. But Burns goes two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Uh, Jeremy Jeffrey, or excuse me, in the ninth inning, the Brewers would tack on some insurance. Uh, Orlando Arcia, playoff Arcia, continuing to uh, show glimpses of something that would never materialize in the future. Um, I guess he is on the Atlanta Braves roster, so he's still in baseball at least, but never turned into the above-average contributor and starter that many thought he would be as a prospect. But he homers to left in the ninth to make it 5 nothing. Keon Broxton homers to right center, a ball he just absolutely crushed to make it 6 nothing. Um, Jeremy Jeffress would then enter in the ninth inning with a six-run lead, only would record one out, allows a hit and a walk. And then Craig Council, who I've been incredibly impressed with his managing in this postseason, just because it's no nonsense. If you don't have it, I'm going to take you out and we're going to uh, we're going to find a way to get out of the mess. And he brings on Josh Hader. Josh Hader finishes off the inning, records uh, two outs with one strikeout and the Brewers win the division series and head on to the NLCS to face the Los Angeles Dodgers. As we mentioned, Eric Kratz with an electric performance, three for four. Uh, a run scored. I think it was two singles and that double to right center hit a ball that was uh, a double quality hit. We'll call it just, mm-hmm. you know, hit it too hard. The, the carom off the wall uh, takes the turn around first, not going to risk it. You know, Eric Kratz, you know, like we said, just great top line speed, but just, he wasn't fully ramped up at that point. I mean, he's the story of this series. Like he's, He's the stories of the story of this uh postseason run so far for the Brewers. I've been having a lot of fun. He's exactly the kind of guy that I gravitate towards on a team like this. And yeah, he was absolutely great. I think to his surprise as much as anyone else's. Uh what a beautiful thing to see Eric Kratz in full motion rounding or at least thinking about rounding the bases. Just the level of consistency that he gave the Brewers. Like, this is a game that they win in quite lopsided fashion. I don't know. Without, without what they were getting out of him and some of the help that the Rockies were giving them um, when he was on the bases, this game could be a lot closer, and then you could find yourself in a tense situation, and you never know what might happen then. Um, and you lose this game, again, you could just find yourself in a series there was no need for you to really be in. So... Very, very impressed by him. Uh, that's a really, really fun story. Um, I know we talked about going back to game 163. Jeremy Jeffries is the the one part of this and the one part of the bullpen that uh, I'm not feeling it. I uh, know he was going through quite a bit at this time, and this probably wasn't the best version of him either. But uh, he feels like the only guy you come in, you're like, okay, this really could get away from them now. Um, so that is interesting too, given his role and given us kind of parachuting in at this point in the season rather than seeing the hole. Another thing uh, that stood out for me about this, and it might just be the playoffs of it all. Um, so we've got short hair, glasses, Corbin Burns. When I think of current version of Corbin Burns, I almost think of like a, not quite stoic, but a calm confidence on the mound from him he was getting just absolutely fired up at every positive things that happened 
and just like as he's walking off the mound, I think after the second inning of work, he's just lets out a fist pump and a yell. And uh, I enjoyed it. It's 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 cool to uh, you and I going back, obviously experiencing a postseason that we didn't as fans seeing where he started. And I know he would have some regression after this season, but where he started to figure out who he was as a pitcher and a competitor. And then now, obviously, he's got the uh, devastating arsenal of pitches as a starting pitcher, including the cutter that is like created what the modern version of Corbin Burns is. But uh, kind of cool to just see him where he started his big league journey out of the bullpen and and where he's come to today. Also makes it a little more sad to think about where we are in terms of uh, him and the organization. But as fans, like. He's just a guy that's so easy to root for. And like, I'm going to be cognizant of appreciating all of the moments that we have with Corbin Burns throughout the rest of 2023. I mean, you at least should get a, a Corbin Burns start in person. Yeah, I think I think I will at, at Wrigley, yeah. I might, depending what Let's they see. decide Let's to map- do with the rotation to... Uh, to start the season, if we're going six, which they may well do, and we'd see who they decide, that would that would take that away. If they're going with a five man rotation to start the season, I might. Um, so let's possible. let's map this out. So we're getting a no. Let's say no rainouts. Well, Thursday opening day. Well, well, let's hope. For, let's hope not, because it would really be bad. But I, that might be optimistic. For science, we'll say no rainouts as we map this out. Let's, our gut assumption would be Corbin on Thursday at Wrigley, off day Friday, uh, Woody at Wrigley on Saturday, mm-hmm. Reddy at uh, Wrigley Maybe on, on Sunday. Sunday, Lauer Brewers opening day probably, and then Tuesday, that would be, because of the off day, that would be the fifth day for Corbin Wright, so he would be pitching at AmFam during our watch party, I would assume. Mm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So, yeah. So, I think they'll... A lot of times what teams do is they won't need a fifth starter until, like, the second go-round in April. So, with off days mixed in. Uh, So, I'm assuming that's something that could happen. And then you and I, on a Wednesday afternoon, we'll get Brandon Woodruff on our last day in Milwaukee. Again, rain-dependent. I might get two Brandon Woodruff starts. You know, I'd take that, Andrew. That's... That's certainly a uh, g- good value for for my my short trip. And, and we're Lauer fans. We want to see him yeah. let it zoom. So we'll be we'll be all on board with that as well. Who knows? A lot of time, a lot of spring to work out before we see what the the final uh, starting rotation is. But it's exciting to be talking about these things. And you know, uh, I. People might think I'm your son because of the height difference, but it'll still be, you know, <laughs> no, that, that'll be me. That'll be, that'll be you and Numak, you know, as you and Numak as well. I might sit on his, sh- his shoulders. Uh, he's, he's never gonna let me live down that as well thing, is he? <laughs> because you had to call it out. <laughs> I'm doing my best to really make it into a thing, so we'll see how that goes. Um, oh, great. I think that's, I think that's everything, right? I mean. The the exciting thing about this particular sign off is that this is the last time I shouldn't say that because the Brewers could do something that involves us coming back for another episode like we did 
last week. Um, but wow, Mike Trout got traded to the Brewers. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> this is likely the last time that we're doing an episode without some actual Brewers baseball in some form to talk about. So when we record next week, we should have some spring training talk. Andrew will just be he'd be locked in, right? Well, my my question to you was like, what are you gonna do if I get on this podcast next week and I'm just like treating it like our normal recap and I'm just going down spring training box scores and being like, uh, be Alex Claudio came in and recorded a scoreless seventh inning. <laughs> I mean, something like that is not unnoteworthy given wider discussions we're having. If if Alex Claudio does that and he does it again, he does it again. You know the. We'll, we'll, we'll absolutely stay well on top of all of that because who knows what might emerge from it. Who's getting the open 40-man spot when Justin Wilson goes to the I.L.? That's that's my big story of the spring. That might be answered in a few days. <laughs> so we will have that to talk about next week. Um, as I said, if you would be interested in coming, watching the Brewers, watching the Bucks with us, Tuesday, April 4th, venue to be determined, and we will... We'll lock in those details very quickly once we have an idea of who really wants to go. So um, watch out for uh, a link that you can register your interest in attending this GSPN event. We'll put it out on Twitter. We'll put it out in our Discord. And we'll probably also put it out on gspn.info. You know, speaking of gspn.info, that's the hope for quite a lot of stuff at the moment. We've got our autographed Bobby Portis jersey giveaway around the Eurosep Podcast Network. And we are very, very happy to have the opportunity to to give away that Bobby Porter's jersey, really because of what the whole thing represents. If you want to enter, you can go to gspn.info, top link, GSPN, autograph Bobby Porter's jersey giveaway. You click on that. And you can have up to a maximum of five entries in our draw. How do you enter, you might ask? Four of those entries, very simple. Attach a screenshot showing you're subscribed to the four Eurostep Podcast Network feeds. That's the Eurostep Podcast Network main feed for all things books, cruising for bruising, talking to Tundra, and make time for this. For the fifth entry, most importantly, what you can do is you can send us proof of a donation to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin's initiative with Bobby Portis, the peanut butter and jelly challenge. Um, this is all part of Bobby's initiative to Make sure children aren't going hungry across the state of Wisconsin. If you donate to Bobby's PB&J Challenge, send us a screenshot. Make sure you blur out, black out any financial information. Ty Windish does not want your financial information. Um, send us that screenshot. You will also get a fifth entry into the draw for a signed Bobby jersey. Beyond that, we're on Repod. Join repod.com forward slash cruising for a bruising. All our episodes are there if you'd like to listen to them there. You can also chat it up with us, share your thoughts in our Cruising for a Bruising room. Keep an eye out for all things. If you get into Discord, you won't miss anything. Keep an eye on our Twitter. We'll have more playbacks coming up. We're moving on in our 2018 watch along to the Dodgers series. So if there's games in that series you would like to watch, stay on top of it. We'll be doing all the games. You'll be able to come and watch them with us and a bunch of other Brewers fans. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. I'm sorry, Newmont. <laughs>